This is Capital FM, Moscow, 105.3. The latest news now. Moscow's only English-speaking hit music station. Capital FM. News. Russian health minister expects an epidemic of flu cases in the country in the coming days, according to Veronika Skvartsova. Until last week, the incidence of influenza did not exceed the baseline epidemic threshold. This week, however, it has been exceeded by 26%. Influenza outbreaks have been registered in Buryatia, Yakutia and Siberia. The minister recommended avoiding crowded places like shopping malls when your immune system is suppressed. According to Skvartsova, Russia is ready to withstand the virus this year more than 70 million people received flu shots, including 18 million children. The court in Hantimansysk has extended detention for Pavel Shapovalov, accused of trying to hijack an aircraft last week. An Aeroflot flight from the Siberian city of Surgut to Moscow was forced to land after a passenger demanded that the plane be diverted to Afghanistan. The unruly passenger was drunk, investigators say. He tried to break into the cockpit, claiming he was armed, but no weapons were found on him. The 41-year-old faces up to 12 years in prison if found guilty on charges of hijacking an aircraft with threats of violence. Meanwhile, a teacher in the Moscow suburb of Himki was forced to quit her job after encouraging first graders to beat up their eight-year-old classmate during gym class. Vanya Arlyansky sustained a concussion and spent four days in hospital as a result. The teacher with 18 years experience said the incident was a result of a poor joke. She signed a letter of resignation. The children's rights ombudswoman in the Moscow region told TASS News Agency. The regional branch of the Federal Investigative Committee, meanwhile, launched a probe into the incident. Incident. And finally, a football fan has appealed to police after claiming that he is being haunted by a ghost closely resembling none other than former Zenit and Arsenal player Andrei Ershavin. According to the man, the ghost regularly passes through his walls, occasionally stealing his money. The alleged ghostly sightings take place north of the Russian capital in the town of Lobnya. According to RAN TV, Ershavin has yet to comment on the allegations that he has transitioned into supernatural robberies after the end of his football career. It's three points out of ten in the rates this hour. According to our interactive map, you'll spend around 70 minutes on your way to and from Demadiedva Airport. A drive in from Shirimetiva will last 50 minutes each way. Driving time to Vnukov is around an hour and about 45 minutes to get back into central Moscow. Weather. 
One degree in Brussels, 13 in Los Angeles, 21 in Hong Kong. It's currently two degrees below zero here in the nation's capital with some more snow and a high of plus one predicted for Moscow tomorrow. And that's all the news for now. Valeria Bakova in the studio. Stay tuned for more. With Alan Moore. Good evening, listeners. And I can safely say that Valeria has <laughs> broken the sports news. If you say break the internet, she has broken the sports news that there is a ghost of Andrea Chavin, who, of course, last we know he's still alive, uh, but he's appearing in walls in Lobney in Moscow. So I, I think we should just like just turn off the show and just go home. <laughs> Don't listen to us anymore. Just, it should be Valeria 24-7. Okay, this is Capital Sports. I'm Alan Moore. This is Capital FM, live and loud from the Navarrezian Tower here in Moscow. In snowy, snowy Moscow, but it's about what plus plus four degrees plus four degrees Valeria is that two fingers or is that two degrees I, she's already been very insulting she's telling me it's two degrees okay so here in the studio with me of course we have the beautiful Nikki Stay over on the left who's checking her phone to make sure that we're getting our call in to Andrew Flint who'll be on with us in just two minutes on my right and um, I won't say what position he's in right now but there's uh, Andy McLean Good evening, Alan. Okay, and over and looking better than ever, fully masked, we have Alex B and Peter P. Hey, what up? I think that's uh, more haunting. Uh, I'd like to wish everybody a happy Apollo Productions Day. Apollo, okay. Um, you re- folks, if, if, if you can watch on vk.com or on our capitalfm.mosco, have a look and just see what... Um, I, I just can't describe what's going on in the studio right now. Right, so what is coming up? We have Andrew Flint. He's going to be speaking about the FA Cup this past weekend. Lots of shocks in there. West Ham Spurs and Arsenal all out at the second hurdle, of course, the fourth round. Uh, also have a little chat about Steve Bruce, the English Premier League transfers coming up. And what just happened with Angie with the carpet, a.k.a. pitch, was pulled out from under their feet. In the second part of the show, we have Peter. We have a very... This is the... Tune in for this, folks, because we've got Peter Staunton from Gold.com, one of the chief writers, of course, a former colleague of Andy McLean here beside me. Uh, we, we, we exposed a really, really interesting story last week to two of us. We broke it on Thursday. By Friday, there was a full press conference called by the MVD or Ministry of Foreign Affairs or Police Department here. And then, of course, everyone followed on, like Fox News, Associated Press and so on, jumping in on our bandwagon that we started off. But it looks a lot worse than this. But we'll get the full rundown from Peter Stunt a little bit later on. Uh, also speak about uh, Massimo Allegri and his spying charges. And also we'll ask him if Liverpool are going to win the league. Uh, Andy McLean here besides me hopes not. OK, so this is a super show. And we're going to start off, Andy, um, you came running in from the new studio. Any breaking news in the sports front? Sports front. Um, I'm still haunted by the the Arshav. I suppose Liverpool are in some ways as well at Anfield, although they can get rid of that. They can exercise Arshavin if they um, if they can stay seven points clear. Yeah, and I mean they're playing tonight. They're playing Leicester City tonight. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, of course there's also ice hockey on tonight as well, and uh, we'll give you a bit of rundown of what's happening in ice hockey because it's coming to the end of the regular season. So folks, if you have a chance, there are there's well three teams really in Moscow. There's Dynamo, uh, Siska, and Spartak. They'll all be in the postseason playoffs. So just get down and have a look at. That. We'll also have a look ahead to the Super Bowl and Rugby Six Nations, which kicks off this weekend. Now. The question we have for you, we're going to ask this right away because you, there are two for Silvers, which is on Korskaya, and Paddy's, which is on Belaruskaya, a haunt where you might find one of us hanging out there at the odd time. Uh, for this week, okay, you have 1,500 rubles worth of food and drink, okay, so there's two prizes be given away, and all you have to answer is very, very simple, very, very simple question. A or B, okay, don't answer A or B. The question is who won the 2018 Six Nations? Was it Ireland? 
That's A or Italy B. Okay, so A or B. Plus seven ninety five one 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 zero five three. Okay, uh, very very quickly, um, Alex, you're just back from Canada. Um, did you enjoy your time there? Oh yeah, I did. And I lots really of ice hockey. Uh, a lot, a lot less than you would expect, but yeah. really, yeah. Did you get to any games? Oh uh, no, nothing at all. No, not not a big not a big hockey guy, but you know, uh, I kept up with some. I tried to watch some games on TV, but no, not not a, not a big hockey man. Okay, uh, Peter P. Question to you. Um, okay, you you you're better looking now in the mask. So, but why the masks? Oh, why? Thank you. Well, you know, uh, we try to spice up uh, those things here in uh, Capital FM. That's why we decided to wear oh, re- wrestler for, for, for ah the wrestler masks. Yeah, I thought they were gimp masks. Oh. Wow. That one's coming up next. The, the, the next Wednesday, we're pulling up and get Bring out the and game. Wednesday okay. after that, the Cossack hats are coming yep. up. <laughs> oh, good Christ. Okay. Right. We're going to go straight away out to Snowy Team and to Andrew Flint of Ryan Dog Football. Andrew, how are you doing? Uh, not too bad, thanks, fellas. Um, good to join you again. That's very, very good. Andrew, listen, this is our last show of January, of course. Um, and, of course, the window, the transfer window shuts tomorrow night, I believe. Um, so, here beside me, well, the two boys have taken off their wrestling masks now. They said they're wrestling masks, but they look more like one of those that you buy in those like, adult uh, entertainment shops. And, of course, uh, Andy McLean is bent over, crouched and engaged, ready to ask you some questions. Batteries not included. What is going on in there? It's, it's, it's quite scary here. It is quite scary. <laughs> Listen, Andrew, um, huge shocks, huge shocks in the FA Cup this past weekend. West Ham out. Okay, they were well, well beaten 4 2 in the end by AFC Wimbledon. Spurs knocked out as well. 2 um, 0, they were beaten. And of course, United beat Arsenal, which was, it, it was kind of expected in a way. Beat them, beat them quite well in the end. Um, Chelsea beaten Sheffield Wednesday. And we'll ask you a bit about that as well. That was a 3 0 win for Chelsea. Um, in the FA Cup, were there any of the games that stood out for you that kind of that, that impressed you? Well, um, AFC Wimbledon beating West Ham, that was the result I particularly enjoyed um, because West Ham just looked completely clueless. Um, I mean, without Marco and Altovic, they just look a completely different side. And it was really, really pleasing to see Wimbledon do so well at home. Um, and I just love that. You know when you get those grounds where the fans are a metre away from the pitch? And the, the guy heads it in at the back post for the fourth goal and fans are touching him always. I love that sort of atmosphere. Yeah, it, it was a real, real proper cup tie, fourth round cup tie. Listen, um, looking at the, the, the United win, I mean, that's, that, that, that was pretty strong against uh, a, a decent enough Arsenal team. Well, it was. I mean, I'm very biased about United, as you know, but even still, it was just so clinical. Um, but it was so energetic. You know, they, they saved their energy for the right times, counter-attacked just so immaculately. But best of all, Alexis Sanchez comes back um, and, and scores, having barely played for us. Um, Romelu Lukaku had a deft touch. I mean, it was, it was a miracle game for us. OK, well, a couple of days later, then United were very, very lucky with us last night. Of course, we're extremely lucky to uh, not lose to Burnley, coming back from 2-0 down. Um, <laughs> That is that is that means now that we should be chanting uh, Solskjaer out? Should he be fired? <laughs> there will be some, I'm sure, who will be mad enough to do that. Um, I will be honest, though. I was I was terrified for most of the game because it looked so difficult to see how they were going to change it, um, and he didn't look like he had a clear plan. Admittedly, Burnley were very very strong defensively, which is unlike them this season, um, and I, I, I was scared, but. 
the intent was just electric, and you would never have seen that under Mourinho. So that's a positive. Well, I mean, fighting back like that, well, we did see it when they did fight back against Newcastle. So, I mean, it was there. They do have that ability to fight back and win games, or at least draw games. But, um, you know, is, is it... Um, Ha, you know, is it a mark for the future that I mean they're going to be uh, playing PSG quite soon? That they have that little bit of killer instinct back again. Well, I think the most important thing is the intent and the energy um, going forward. And I know it's going to sound strange, but I'd always rather play um, PSG than Burnley because they'll be open and attacking, and that seems to suit the way Solskjaer set us up so far with a lot of forwards high up the pitch. Um, so it's going to be interesting. There are definitely going to be goals in it. Um, but, um, yeah, it was worrying at times. But in the end, in the end, we showed the character that got us through. OK, um, look, tonight, of course, we just mentioned this before uh, you came on with us, that there's a big game on this evening, of course, with... Well, it's actually there's four games on the with Liverpool and Leicester City. Spurs goes playing Watford. Spurs need to get out that bit of a funk. Um, you would expect Liverpool at 11 o'clock tonight in Moscow time to beat Leicester City, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, you would do. I mean, grudgingly, I have to admit it. Um, I just I was gutted to wake up this morning and see the Manchester City result because obviously I would much rather they win the title than Liverpool. Um, Liverpool are just so hard to stop, and Leicester, I. There's no, it's no insult to them. Um, most teams would struggle to to hold out Liverpool at home. Um, so yeah, I'm expecting them to win there fairly okay. comfortably. That's fair enough. Okay, listen. Um, on the transfer front, uh, is there anything uh, you know? Because it looks like you, uh, United are going to lose definitely Fellaini. He's going to China probably. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm not sure what I think about it. To be honest, I liked him in the squad as an option late on, and he always gave us all, but it's not realistically a big loss. And I know a lot of United fans are actually quite upset by it, but I don't think we should be. Um, so I don't think I don't think I expected us to do any business um, in the window because you won't get value for what we need. We need a world-class centre-back, nothing else. Um, well, most of all, a world-class centre-back. And we're never going to get that for good value. So I don't mind this window, to be honest. Well, if you look at, say, okay, just from the Russian side, so Paredes, he's gone from uh, Zenit. Mm. Uh, 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 is that good or bad for, for Zenit as, as we move into the uh, the second half of the season? Well, to be honest with you, I don't think they're going to miss him that much. I know it can sound odd because he is he was their best player, um, but his form was well off the last few weeks of the first part of the season. Um, but Christian Nabor is coming back from injury, um, so he he can almost replace him in that reduce the role, if you like. Because um, when he's fit, will offer the the battling tenacity. Marquisio should offer the quality. So actually, I don't think they're going to miss him that much, and they get a good amount of money for him. So um, perhaps spend that on Asmund. Yeah, hi Andrew. Um, staying on the Russian hey. side with 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 Zenit, of the they've been linked mm. with three players. Perhaps uh, the most interesting one for for the RPL and. Iran is uh, Sada Asman. Do you think he'd be a good buy at ten million? For ten million, I think he would. Um, with Paredes bringing in what fifty odd million, fifty-five million, I've seen in places reported. Um, they still have a healthy profit, and realistically, they'll be able to sell him on for more if he plays quite well in European competition the next year or two. Um, and also, I think it gives them an option to play two up front. Um, because realistically, Arton Zuba is, they're only 
really good class centre forward. Zabalotny's just well off form. So if they play Asmun and Juba together up front, they could play three at the back and it might suit them better now that um, Rakitsky has joined. Okay, that's it. That's a good one. Andrew, listen, thank you very, very much. Uh, I hope you wake up tomorrow morning with some good news that uh, Liverpool have clinched the Premier League. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, good night and talk to you later. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Andrew. Okay, that was Andrew for the Royal Dog Football. We are going out to the break. I'll repeat that question again. Okay, plus 795-11053. Who won the 2018 RBS Six Nations? Was it A, Ireland, or was it B, Italy? Okay, so was it Ireland or Italy? Okay, we're going to go out to the break with a song that many of you know from uh, a certain telephone brand, but it's also it was used last weekend in kind of montages of football fans uh, watching the FA Cup when they're happy and so on, or sad even as well. This is De Lacey and Dream It Possible. We'll be back after the break. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
Little Stand Up with Steve Foreman. Ah, here we go. You know, I don't think I have a lot of people that hate me, but I think I have a long list of people who moderately dislike me. You can really taste the Soviet Union in a larder. You know, there's like a... Well, you can smell petrol. That's the main thing. That's the main thing you notice, to be honest. And actually, the, the larder doesn't start just by turning the key. You also have to sort of go... Oh, wait, like, there's, like, there's like an element of that. Like, you know. Oh, British people. He gave you a language. Oh, British people. God's sake, I wish you'd use it. Pow! Every Thursday at 9pm, Capital Stand Up with Steve Foreman on Capital FM Moscow. Are you serious? <laughs> you got a big one. The one and only English-speaking station in Moscow. Capital. With Alan Moore. Okay, folks, we are back. And again, that question Who won the 2018 Six Nations rugby? Was it A, Ireland? B, Italy? Okay, we've had some right answers in already. Uh, we have some runners and riders there are in the forefront. So we're going to have a look at that a little bit. Uh, at 7.30 tomorrow, okay, 7.30, that's the 31st of January, Thursday. This guy Moscow are at home against Akbars of Kazan in the ice hockey. Okay, so that's going to be a good one. So this guy, of course, the the atmosphere of the games. I have to say, like, I mean, it's really, really terrible. I said that last week as well. I'm just complaining. Like, this guy, pull your socks up. You are awful at presenting. Also out in Moscow, but up in the Dinamo area, you've got Dinamo Moscow there home against Metalurg Magnitogorsk. That's going to be good. That's 7:30 puck drop as well. So well worth going to see those games. While you still have a chance, of course, at the weekend, then you also have the final round of regular season games uh, coming up you have of course I think Spartak are home this uh, Saturday I'll double check it yes Spartak at home out in the VEB or the well CSKA Arena out at out of Zavodskaya they are playing against Akbar's also with Kazan while at 5 that's at 5.30 at 5 o'clock Dinamo Moscow are at home against Admiral of Vladivostok okay that's on Saturday Book dropping 5 o'clock and 5.30 so 5 o'clock for Dinamo Moscow and 5.30 for Spartak okay we're going to go on to the phone in just one moment to uh, Peter Staunton, okay? Peter Staunton, because Peter, as we know, he's a guest here of our show. Many, many times he was here with us in person during the World Cup, and he was on the phone to us quite a few times as well. Absolute genius. Great writer as well. Agree, Andy? Great Absolutely. Writer? Uh, excellent writer, and a, a guy who knows his stuff. Now, last week, okay, or the week before last year, two weeks ago, I was um, kind of, uh, how to say... It, by chance, okay, kind of my, my nose was kind of twitching like Sabrina the Teenage Witch used to do. Um, it was kind of twitching. There was something strange about fans who had overstayed their, uh, well, not their welcome, but they'd overstayed because remember, remember um, fans could revisit Russia up until the 31st of January, okay, on their fan IDs. Now, I knew that some of them hadn't gone home or some had like sort of disappeared. I knew there were some strange things going on. So information came to you that there was 500 fans, just over 500 fans had uh, not gone home and there were people trying to find them and to send them home. So I double checked on this and went into it. So we did. So uh, I put out a small kind of like uh, overall kind of review of the World Cup. What's good, what's bad and so on. Was it like what made it shine? What sort of some problems, hangover and so on from the World Cup. And... Um, Peter Staunton took it on and focused on one area which was very, very important is these fans who had overstayed. So there's 500 fans uh, that had not gone home that we could not find, we couldn't trace them. Um, and then the story got even more interesting the very, very next day. They came out on Thursday, okay, Thursday morning and Thursday afternoon these articles came out and by Friday it was a little bit bigger. So we're going to welcome onto the show right now Peter Staunton of Goal.com. Peter, how are you doing? Alan, I'm very well. How are you? 
I'm doing great. Listen, it's, it's great to hear you. And I just, I meant to say, I was very jealous of the fact that you were home out in the West for Christmas. It looked gorgeous. Well, not quite for Christmas, but I was certainly there for New Year's and we had a good old time at a friend's wedding and it was lovely to catch up with everybody. Great to be home. Ah, of course it is. It wouldn't be great to be home right now because I know, well, actually, you're almost home. You're only in Leeds, but the snow is uh, getting bad over at the moment. We had a light dusting overnight, uh, nothing compared to the, uh, the veritable blizzards that you've been sending me on WhatsApp, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're surviving. Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty hard. Of course, the Moscow Shamrocks were training on uh, Sunday morning in uh, Lokomotiv. We really almost had to dig away to get to training, so there we go. Um, Peter, listen, I, I've given the listeners just a little bit of a taster, so um, just bring us through step-by-step step of what happened and what we discovered and kind of where we are right now with that story with the overstaying fans. Well, we've been pulling a thread at this story for the past, uh, well, maybe six weeks or so now. So once we got the tip off that there perhaps might be uh, more immigrants than usual on the streets of Moscow, uh, we decided to explore where they come from, uh, what they're still doing in Moscow, and how they got there. So... You know, through some digging and some phone calls and some research, we realized that perhaps uh, going into the World Cup last summer, some visitors uh, from countries who didn't even qualify for the World Cup, let's say, some of them, uh, had managed to get their way uh, into Russia on a fan ID without really having the intention of traveling back on. Now, the numbers that were, let's say, given to us or the numbers that I was made aware of uh, were about 500. But as you know, and as Andy knows and everybody else knows, uh, those figures grew overnight from the 500 that we knew about when we broke the story to somewhere in the region of 5,000 by the time the official word was given. Now, that was strange uh, in itself, but they also made the claim in the same press conference that the number of illegal immigrants on the streets, let's say, uh, of Russia, Moscow primarily, St. Petersburg too, had come down from 12,000 to 7,000, to 5,000, with 7,000 having left the country in the first three weeks of 2019. Now, you guys are on the ground in Moscow, but I'm sure that you would realize if there was two plane loads departing one of Moscow's airports every day for the first three weeks of the year, you know, that, there's no way you can hide something like that. So we think somebody's selling porky pies somewhere, Alan. Yeah, well, we, 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 when we're looking here in the ground, and we were looking, I mean, even with uh, transport officials and that, they, they were very unaware of these, uh, you know, uh, Boeing 747s carrying people out or whatever every single day. So, I mean, it, it did seem a bit strange. Of course, then it was picked up on by, uh, it was you know, given out through a TAS, of course, the TAS Media Service. They, they released uh, some information, and then all of a sudden it was basically copy-pasted by everybody else. Oh, we've lost Peter Staunton right now on the phone. Okay, Andy, um, just just on that, I mean, that's that's pretty huge. Like 7,000 expelled between the 1st of January and the 24th of January. I mean, if you put it in perspective, that is about a quarter of a stadium um, from one of the World Cup games, which is a huge number of people to, to have to deport. I mean, um, if you look at Europe right now, they're struggling to deport similar numbers of Africans that are arriving uh, illegally or legally um, across the Mediterranean. So... They've been unable to do that for a year and a half. So Moscow has either done an extremely, or Russia has done an extremely quick job uh, at getting these people back out, or they, they've been moved elsewhere. Yeah, okay. Uh, Peter, Peter's back in the line. Peter, just, be, just before um, you went off, we, we, when, we were, um, when we were discussing this, it was like that 
you know, TAS had sort of like re- released the World Cup part of it and then it was very, very quickly picked up upon and there wasn't a whole lot of credit given to your work and uh, your article, most importantly. Well, I know you know yourself, we're not really in it for that kind of credit, but, but I did find the timing of it very strange. Uh, and as you've uh, mentioned before, you know, all it took was that one story almost to break ranks and then you had a number of different uh, articles springing up around that. But it seemed that the narrative have some, had somewhat shifted. Uh, it looks like the, was it the Ministry of Internal Affairs, they managed to get hold of it and put their own line on it by the time that it, it, it gained sort of popular momentum uh, the day after, which I think was last Friday. I mean, you, you had on Thursday, before you put the story out, just, you know, well, I mean, you're, you're a journalist, you know how to do things and also do things correctly. You contacted FIFA directly about this. I did. Uh, well, you know, it's not that I've been sitting on this story, but, you know, I was first made aware of it, well, maybe quite early in January, actually. So I thought that the timing of my story going out and the press conference uh, the day after was a little bit sus because they had all, all stayed the whole month to hold that press conference, but it came out after the story began to leak. Yes, I did contact FIFA uh, before uh, before I put the story out because I thought FIFA should have the right to reply. But they referred me straight back to the Russian authorities. They said that the fan ID scheme was run entirely by the Russian government and the Ministry of Internal Affairs were the ones who were looking after that. So they, in effect, washed their hands of it. So and did- what, what becomes of those... Uh, those people who are stuck in Moscow and nowhere right now, well, the FIFA roadshow has packed up and moved on. Well, so that, that, that basically, that also could have been that they uh, most likely gave a heads up as well to Russia to say, boys, get, get your, um, your, your, your ship in order because like, people are asking questions. Uh, listen, um, Andy, Andy your, your former colleague is here beside me. He has a couple of questions for you. Good evening, Peter. One, one, one thing that struck me while reading your article was that Obviously, Vladimir Putin announced that the, uh, the fan IDs would come back into play from sort of August time for the next few months, which initially seemed to uh, be incorporating European football. However, I wondered whether you discovered whether, whether you thought that was maybe a window to allow some of the people that had overstayed back out. Well, uh, Andy, I think they were talking about this as, as early as uh, well, once the fan ID scheme was announced. Uh, you know, we thought, let's call them scare stories, because the way, that's the way immigrant stories are portrayed in the English press, as you know. Uh, we saw these scare stories come out maybe six months, maybe 12 months before the World Cup even took place, where they're saying, oh, Nigerians are going to travel en masse to Russia and they're not going to leave. They're going to try cycling over the border uh, to Norway to exploit some sort of loophole where cyclists aren't allowed to be stopped at borders between Russia and Norway. So... You know, I think there was always going to be the issue that people would be in Russia uh, after the World Cup finished, you know, particularly, you know, 10 days after the World Cup final. Now, you saw, I mean, Russia is not on many people's, let's say, travel itinerary uh, in general. You know, people go elsewhere, they go to, you know, they go to the States, they go to Southeast Asia in general. So I think anybody who's seen Russia for the first time, they might want to stay and, and make the most of it. You've got somebody coming from Australia or Peru or Argentina they're not going to have all that money to come all that way again. So they don't just want to come for a few days. They don't just want to come for a match. They might want to come and stay and have a look around. And initially, I think Putin made the right uh, call. Uh, Russia at that stage had broken through a little bit and was riding the crest of a wave. I mean, the football really, really helped with Russia's perception. Anybody that went to Russia during the World Cup had a great time. And I think Putin was quite clever in exploiting that when he said, look, if you enjoyed it and you liked it, why don't you come back until... Uh, 
uh, until uh, December 31st. And then, as we see from December 31st until now, there's been a little bit of, uh, let's say, uh, well, it's, uh, don't, don't let the gate hit you on the way out. Let's put it that way. <laughs> do, do, do you think it was a huge risk then? Obviously, it, it worked fantastically during the tournament. But for a country that's so strict with visas, how, how, how big a risk do you think it would be if, for example, another country outside of the European Union was to do the same? Would you expect them to do it? Or do you think Russia perhaps decided to run that risk and allow these people perhaps in to then legalise themselves once they were here? I think there could be an element, there could be an element in that. But, uh, you know, I think what gets missed an awful lot, especially within the EU, is that immigrants are, are, are necessary. You know, if you look at most of, the, most of the developed countries within the EU, you've got an ageing population, a declining birth rate, and you're going, to have a, you're going to run out of taxpayers eventually. You're going to have a geriatric population with no workers there to support them. Now, the people in Europe, uh, governments, they, they've not really done a good job at, at telling people this. Instead, there seems to be this sort of... I don't know, demonization of immigrants all the time. It's like they don't want them in the country. But, you know, the, the simple fact of the situation is you're going to need immigrants in the country to work. Uh, and that's not, going to, that's not going to change. Now, Russia, I think, was in, is in a unique sort of, let's call it, geographical position where it shares so many borders uh, with countries uh, that are inside the EU. So even if people didn't intend to stay within Russia, I think there was always the risk that people might try and, well, as I heard from one journalist, might try to walk down the beach uh, from Kaliningrad into Lithuania and bang, there you are. Peter, uh, I was wondering, uh, what do you think will happen next and what precautions should uh, the Russian government take? Well, I think it's kind of, you know, you're trying to close the gate after the horse has bolted, really, with terms of precautions. Um, I think, look... Uh, did we have any of these problems really at Sochi for the Winter Olympics? I, I don't really remember. No, uh, no, 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 no. Back then. No, and I mean, I think I think it's different. And I mean, it, it is it is a, it is a tough question to answer because uh, you know there there were there was a case there were cases of um, uh, when Nigeria played in Kaliningrad against Croatia at the start of the World Cup, their first World Cup game. Uh, people were making their way along the sand spit that connects um, Kaliningrad and Lithuania. So, I mean, that's, you know, there were these issues. As you brought up, Peter, I mean, people crossing into Norway on bicycles and so on. I mean, it's, it's a huge risk, but okay, let's, we're, we're going we're gonna to watch to see what you turn up next because this is very, very interesting for us and, of course, for our listeners as well. Peter, before we let you go, question about uh, Massimo Allegri, because I know you're a huge Leeds United fan. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, listen... Did he do something wrong by spying on uh, on on um, Mr. Redknapp's son, uh, or was it just? Or it wasn't Redknapp's son? Or it was it was uh, who was it? It was the coach of uh, Derby County, uh, Frank Lampard. Frank, Frank Lampard. Lampard. There you go. I knew he was a West Ham yeah. boy. He's so, or well, Chelsea boy. Like, did he do the wrong thing by spying on them, or is it is is it not a deal at all? Well, it, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, Max Allegri. I think a Juventus manager would be uh, spying on a Derby County training session. He might be parking up the wrong Oh, my apologies. It was, of course, yeah, Marcelo Bielsa. Why is it Allegri? Oh, my God. Now, <laughs> yeah. Bielsa claims that this is something that he's conducted all throughout his career. And he says he conducts it uh, out of fear uh, of a lack of preparation. And he just wants to leave no stone uh, uncovered. But look, Bielsa's a worldly guy. You know, he, he's worked in so many countries around the place. He knows what's on and knows what's not on. Personally, I think it's, it is overstepping the mark. But I think also it's been blown so far out of proportion. Because if we say that this breaches the ethics of a club charter, then 
everything breaches the ethics of a club charger. So when next time I see a defender who's claiming for uh, a goal kick when he knows damn well it's gone for a corner, I'm going to start saying that breaches the club charger because if you want to conduct the whole thing in the Corinthian spirit, why are you mentioning little things like somebody looking through a fence in a training session when there's so many other issues in the game that need addressing? And listen, again, that, that go, that's probably what I was mixing up with Allegri and about Juve uh, and they're like, you know, calciopoly and doping and hold on. So, I mean, that was probably what I was mixing up because, again, you know, we, we, we have it where, like, um, you know, teams try to get the best information on each other and so on. The way I see it is, if you're a good enough team, it doesn't matter how another team will set up to play, you're going to beat them off the pitch anyway. Exactly. Well, we know, like, the, the best managers have obviously got the best uh, preparation. Uh, but it comes in general from preparing your own team to play rather than you know, setting them up to counter what's going to be in front of them. Sure, you want to know if a guy has a good free kick or you want to know if the wingers are particularly quick, one thing or another like that. But I think so long as managers are looking after, you know, their own team, I don't think they're going to have too much of a problem. But particularly when you get to the best clubs like a Juve, like a Manchester City, who have all sort of the mineral wealth of Abu Dhabi behind them. <laughs> they need a solution, they can go and buy one. Exactly. Listen, Peter Stanton of Gold.com, thank you so, so much for your time this evening and you stay warm and indoors. Pleasure, guys. Okay, thanks, Peter. Okay, that was Peter Saunton, gold.com. I hope you guys enjoyed that because that's, again, that's the story. It's going to run on a little bit, so have do your own bit of research as well. We're going to go out to the break with The Heavy and Colleen. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
Hey, hey, what's up? I'm Don Diablo. You're listening to Hexagon Radio in the capital of M, Moscow. Every Friday, 11 p.m. on 105.3. Don Diablo's Hexagon Radio on Capital FM, Moscow. With Alan Moore. Okay, welcome back, folks. Plus seven ninety five one 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 zero five three. Your last chance. You had ten minutes to go to win one of two vouchers. Actually, you won't win both. You win one of two vouchers. One to silvers. One to paddies. One thousand five hundred rubles worth of food and drink for your pleasure. For your well, dining pleasure, drinking pleasure, whatever you want. Of course, there's a huge weekend of sports coming up. There's a Super Bowl and the Six Nations. We want to speak with them right now. Okay. Peter, we have to go to you because, I mean, you called it who was going to get into the Super Bowl. We, we discussed it last week, of course, yeah. on the show. All right, give us a run then. Where it's being played, who's playing, and what should our fans look out for? Uh, the, it's happening in Atlanta. Uh, of course, Pats are going up against Rams, the, the, the favorite team to win, which I disagree because Pats are the best. And um, but what else do you want to know? Like... Who should be? Who who are the players who are going to make a difference? Because Tom Brady, of well, course, yeah, is like Tom ever Brady, being, So yeah, uh, Gurley from the Rams, the running back. Gurley, Gurley, he's um, he's, he's just insane. Masculine. He's like very, yeah, very big guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's insane. Like uh-huh. if you watch him play, he's just a beast, total beast. So okay, that's its kickoff is at two thirty a.m. Uh, on Monday. They say that there's one thousand two hundred three tickets left, and the cheapest one is two thousand five hundred and eleven dollars. Well, well, last time I checked, it's like three thousand, three thousand something. I've, I'm checking right oh, now. Oh, right, right now. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, it could be it could, different, yeah, different, different ones. Um, I'm on a lower class level yeah. website, <laughs> but I mean, okay. Um, who is doing the halftime show? Because everyone, everyone wants to see the, the adverts, show. the adverts, because they're the most expensive oh, yeah. adverts. In, in the TV, world. in the world, exactly. Yeah. So for thirty seconds, how much does it cost to get an advert, an advert on the air? Uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but crazy, crazy amounts. I mean, and okay, so and who is playing the halftime show? Halftime show, uh, he- uh, Maroon Five is headlining it, and uh, Travis Scott and Big Boy will will be making an appearance. I mean, of course, we all know of the famous incidents of say Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake and so on. Oh, but, yeah. Um, Andy, who's your favorite halftime show memory? Oh crikey! I think I always switched off. Actually, I think that was the, probably the least interesting thing for me. The the, the big ones were the, the actual football, and then uh, the color of Gatorade at the end. Th- th- those were my highlights. Oh yeah, yeah. The color of Gatorade. Yeah. There's, there's always a market to bet on the color of Gatorade that's yeah, normally being thrown oh. over the winning. Yeah, oh, that's what it is. Okay, just so you folks know, between five point one and five point three million dollars for a thirty second ad. 5.1 to 5.3. Yeah, and usually they, they ball out on those. They get like different movie stars. And Cardi B is doing one of the commercials. Yeah, no. Pepsi Who's Cardi Pepsi. B? Uh, a rap, um, just a number one rapper female. Yeah, j- okay. j- just, a, just a number one. Right? She's not that good in my opinion. Wow. There we go. Okay, so there you go. That's why I don't wow. know. She's just He's been crap. quiet all that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's, I no, it's a she. It's enough. a she. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, yeah. He. He. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, no, sometimes it was the mask on. on. He didn't know the mask. Again, it's this whole gimp mask thing. I don't know. Gimp right. girly. <laughs> girly gimp. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, but Cardi B is crap. Yeah. In my opinion, yes. Yo. Good, okay. She so had the most yo. overrated album of 2018. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Invasion sorry. of Privacy. That's the name of that Horrible. Album. <laughs> okay, well, move very quickly on, right? On. Just go back onto sports, right? <laughs> so, okay, um, will this be Tom Brady's last year? I, I, I mean, hope not, but it's 
looking like that. Okay, you, you got, if he you, wins, it has you, to you got to get that sixth ring, sixth ring for because he already has five. Would that be a record? Does he have six fingers. I mean, no, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying that he's like, inbred, is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep on joking, but his mom and dad are cousins. That's why he can deflate his balls. Okay, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, six fingers on one hand. No, but okay, no. In all serious, if if he wins, you think he'll step down because he's a beautiful, like he's got Giselle, the uh, Brazilian model. Yeah, isn't that that's his wife? No idea. I heard Giselle. Giselle, Giselle, no. She's a good runner. <laughs> or is it a good, uh, um, what you call it, delivery van? All right, okay, well, moving quickly on. So, folks, that is at 2.30 Monday morning. I'm sure it'll be on some channel somewhere. The New England Patriots against the Los Angeles Rams at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Okay, this weekend, an even more important thing is kicking off on Friday. And, of course, Alex B, he is going to be covering it for us. So, the Six Nations Rugby, so the European, the top, top, the biggest rugby competition in the world yeah. in the first half of the year, because the World Cup is taking place in, in the second half of the year in 2019, of course, this year. Um, give us a rundown on who's playing and what our, our listeners should watch, watch uh, out for. So, this weekend we have, um, well, I think the biggest match is going to be Ireland uh, versus England, which is... I think those are like the two favorites to actually win it all because Ireland's the defending champion and uh, England just has England is historically I believe the best team to play rugby. So uh, also we have controversial. Right, I I don't know. I'm actually I I I say like in Europe they are the best team. I was going to say Southern Hemisphere. Oh, no, they, well, they have the most wins. Okay, yeah, the, the most yeah. the most chance wins. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah, so we have Scotland. Um, I believe playing uh, France and. Um, Oh, oh, Wales. Oh, I apologize. France versus Wales and Scotland versus Italy. So, um, I've had to give my prediction. I think I have Ireland winning back to back championships. Oh, back to back. So, okay. Never been Folks, done before. Plus seven, nine, two, five, one, 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 zero, five, three. Who won the 2018 Six Nations Championship? Was it A, Ireland or B, Italy? <laughs> Have you given you the, the answer right now? So, okay. So, you, you think they're going to do Ireland do a back to back? Yeah, or I think Italy can make for the first time ever. <laughs> I think that's quite unlikely. What do you reckon, Andy? Well, back-to-back -back Grand Slams haven't been done this century. So, I mean, Ireland are favourites. Mm -hmm. They're at home to England, which is the big one. Um, but I think this is actually probably, uh, excluding Italy, uh, probably the tightest Six Nations uh, I remember in my lifetime. Um, I, th I literally think everyone could win it. There's been injuries to a lot of the back rows of, of the teams in, in key positions, key players, Lions players, um, and I think this is extremely open. I think there'll be decisions to be made whether, I mean, for the likes of Wales, Ireland, England, will they have one eye on the World Cup later this year? Do they take the, this Grand Slam or the Championship seriously? Do they look to gel? Will they look for a bit of self-belief coming out of it? Whereas I think France, Scotland, and obviously Italy have nothing to lose, and they'll be looking to gain momentum going into it, having had not a great autumn. Well, I mean, again, if you look at uh, Scotland for the first time in a long, long time, there's two teams in the European Cup uh, quarterfinals right, from yeah. Scotland. So Scotland rugby is on a high. They've got some great players. Um, Amish Watson is going to be a big, big a, miss. He's injured. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's the issue with some of them because you, a lot of people in Ireland are speaking about, uh, they're saying that, oh, it'd be great like if we have... Um, uh, Joey Carberry the Munster uh, out half because we've got the world player of the year last year Jonathan Sexton uh, the out half number 10 who kicks all the points and does all the kicks um, but his replacement is as good as him you know, you know but they, they say well, let's blood him and have a bit of a run but yeah it, it, teams could be looking ahead rather than actually looking at this yeah I think they might be looking at their, their wider squad rather than perhaps focusing on winning this year 
Um, Alex, in, in terms of, okay, on, on Friday, okay, on Friday, the first game, of course, is France and Wales. That's kicking off at 11 o'clock in Paris. Um, 11 o'clock Moscow time, of course, in Paris. What, what do you, like, overall, from what you've been researching, like, I mean, what, what are most experts saying? Who's going, to, who's going to finish top and who's going to finish bottom? Uh, well, they're both pretty good teams. I think Wales is going to come out, but I don't think it's going to be like a big like margin. Okay, so you reckon Wales is going to come? Yeah. Andy, would you agree? Uh, Wales are exceptionally good at home. Um, France are also exceptionally good at home. I, it's such a difficult one to call. I think there's some big injuries to, to Wales. I forget the name of the, the back that's out, the um, Samoan Faletau. Who followed? Yeah. Um, um, so I think it'll be very, very close. I might just go with France. Okay, so France have, have lost three of the last five games, whereas Wales have won all five of their games. Peter, who are you going for now with France versus Wales in Paris? France. France, okay, France away. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I think it's going to be very, very close. I think it's going to be very, very close. I think that Wales are going to put up a good show. I think Wales could be the breakout team of this championship, okay? So I, I think that they will shock a few people. I'm, I'm backing you, Alex. Okay, then on Saturday, of course, we have the... Big one, well, for, for most people. Ireland against England uh, at 7.45pm Moscow time. Okay, 7.45pm. England coming in, they have won four of their last five. Ireland won five of their last five. Of course, beating New Zealand as well for the second time in our history ever. We've ne- we, we hadn't beaten England, or sorry, New Zealand a couple of years ago, but they're doing But that's a huge one at the Aviva Stadium, formerly Lansdowne Road. Um, I mean, what, like, Alex, overall, do you think that whoever wins this can go on and win the championship? I, that, well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think whoever wins this game is going to win, but I don't I can't call this game. Like, I think this is going to be like the... Everybody should watch this game. This is huge. I think... Ireland, maybe. I, I don't know. That's a, I have to go you with Ireland. Sneak it, okay. I'm not a huge fan of the shirt you're wearing, so I have to. Well, thank you very much. I am wearing an Ireland shirt, so there we go. IRFU. Okay, uh, Andy, what do you reckon? Um, Ireland have won their last seven out of nine meetings in Dublin against England. But people do forget England started extremely well against New Zealand when they played them last. Eventually lost, just. Um if England can devote the 25 minutes that they did against New Zealand to 80 against Ireland, Ireland will be up against it. Um, but home advantage, I, th- I think, personally, is absolutely massive. The, the atmosphere, obviously, it's a huge stadium. Um, so I'd just side with Ireland. So you think it's going to be... OK, again, Ireland coming into it. Always Please. England, they always have... Yeah, I know, everyone's Ireland. They've got a huge... Like, England have these huge players, massive players. Um, lots of questions being asked. Overall, overall, um, overall, looking at it, we, we've asked questions before. We have Paul Kimmage, who's on, asking questions. And it's not trying to rain on Ireland's parade or anyone else's parade, but these guys are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, stronger, stronger, stronger. And the impact, it's not just like... A, it's like the, the impact of these players on each other it's huge it's absolutely massive it's, it's bigger than American football with, without the padding perhaps that's the, the, this is why we're seeing so many injuries in the lead up to this uh, we talked about um, there's one for England Sam Underhill uh, their number 7 um, which is now he's now out for the tournament and would, would have been a key player for them and that's the kind of player that is you know he's the first to break he's from a, a scrum changer, yeah. and will be looking to hit key players hard um, so he's a big loss but as you say yeah, the, the impact that some of these players take and the recovery time to get back and fit and do it every week I mean yep. it's, it's incredible and they're unnaturally big as well because these huge guys who are like 120 kilos who before these guys were only just playing in the packs so or the forwards now they're actually playing at the wings and they're just gigantic so when they run at you it's, it's terrible Peter who do you reckon Ireland or England who are you going for? 
Uh, I gotta, I gotta back my man Al on this. Ireland. Ireland, okay. Ireland. Uh, Nikki, Ireland or I'll just England? be nice to you. Ireland. <laughs> okay, for a change. All right. And the final game, the fi- or actually, well, the game before that, of course, the is big game. the big game of the whole weekend of the whole year. Scotland against Italy up in Murrayfield. Scotland have won three of the last five games. Italy have won one of their last five. That's kicking off at 5.15 Moscow time. Andy, you're... you're, you're the wooden you're, spoon drama. You, do you reckon that who, whoever wins this will finish fifth? Um, I think Scotland have a reasonable chance of a few upsets um, this time round, mainly because of the home fixtures that Scotland have. Italy have just become such whipping boys, although they have improved steadily over the years. I really do think that they need to, uh, that the Six Nations needs to start thinking about perhaps having a relegation system in to make it a bit more competitive well, in that. And the only country blocking that overall who have a veto are England, because yeah. England have refused. Everyone else wants, even Scotland, even Ireland, when we could when we had a bad team we could be relegated down and dropped down to be playing Georgia and Russia and so on they said no let's do it it'd be good for the whole business and to develop rugby yep. England have always blocked it always always blocked it yeah it'd be it'd be instrumental for expanding the brand of rugby to, to parts of Europe that perhaps don't see it as their number one or even number two or three sport exactly okay Alex who are you Scotland or uh... Italy Sorry, Andy but I have I have Scotland winning but me being a huge Six Nations rugby fan, I want Italy to, you know... Always for the underdog. Yeah. Okay, so you go for Italy. Okay, Peter. Nope. For this one, I'm going against my man. I'm backing Andy. Here we go. Okay. And Nikki? Based on nothing, Italy. Oh, yes. Oh, okay, all right, Italy. So we're going to tweet you. Peter, you're the, you're the deciding vote here. I'm, I'm, I'm going for a draw. Draw. I'm going for a draw. Okay, overall, overall, um, Andy, who are you backing to win the Six Nations? Um, I think it's kind of Ireland's to lose because of that first game against England. If they win that at home, I think they could kick on. Av- okay. Avoiding key injuries, I think it, it, it's Ireland's to lose this year. Alex? Yeah, again, I hope Ireland goes back-to-back, or Italy, after Ireland. All right, good for you, Peter. Ireland. Ireland. Of Italy? I don't know. I don't remember the options. Sorry. <laughs> okay, who's going to win overall the, the Six Nations? Will Ireland win two in a row, or will it be... Oh, you have a choice between Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales. Wales. Well, there we go, <laughs> Wales. Do you know what? Oh, Wales will probably win the bloody thing. They probably thing. will. They probably yeah. will, thanks to you. Okay, and remember, folks, that starting on the 20th of September is the Rugby World Cup out in Japan. And, of course, our very own team here from Russia are there, qualifying at the expense of Romania, who were disqualified. <laughs> so there you go. doesn't matter. Once you're there, you're there. So uh, Russia are in the group with uh, Scotland, Japan, uh, and small, and of course Ireland, um, New Zealand, South Africa, Italy, Namibia, Canada in Group Pool B, England, France, Argentina, United States, and Tonga in Group Pool C, and Australia, Wales, Georgia, Georgia, of course Georgia, Georgia, uh, our neighbours, uh, Fiji and Uruguay in Pool D. Okay, folks, we are going out to uh, walk out in the snow right now. It's still snowing. It's minus two outside. Um, the answer, of course, for that uh, question, okay, was, Nikki, who won last year's Six Nations? Ireland. Very good. Okay, so we will send out those prizes, uh, the information of the prizes, and you go and get your food and drink from Silvers or uh, Paddy's. So you go to Kurskaya or to Belaruskaya. Okay, Andy, thank you very much. Thank you, you. Okay, Alex. Thank you very much. Peter, as always, thanks for having me. And Nikki, you too. Thank you very much. Okay, folks, thanks a million for listening to us. We will talk with you next week. It's going to be another great show next week. We're going to play out with a song that's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, a, it should be a theme for us. This is Tom Cochran and Life is a Highway. We'll talk with you next week. Capital Sports.
with Alan Moore. I'm gonna 